We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So I think you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Value Add Podcast with K and K. Today we have a very cool interview with Brad Sumrock. And if you guys don't know who he is, um, I was actually kind of surprised I didn't know who he was. I, we were initially introduced to him through a friend, actually uh, Monty's boyfriend, who knows uh, him. And I just started diving in and learning a little bit about him. And I was like, wow, we really need to know this guy. He's super smart, super intelligent. He's friends with um, Tom Wheelwright, who we just had on the podcast as well. He uses him um, for his taxes and uh, tax advice and all of that. But um, he's a super interesting guy. So, Ken, do you want to give a quick background on who Brad is? And yeah, so Brad um, is basically gotten to the – he's a – just a normal W-2 guy, sales rep, um, said, I really don't want to do this. Started buying multifamily in 2002, really took off. And I believe it's 2012, he decided, man, I should start educating people since I bought real estate and did all this. So Brad's a syndicator, plus he owns stuff by himself. And on top of that, Brad is, you know, he's been on stage with Grant Cardone, Robert Kiyosaki, people like that. He knows them. He's been on like Old Capital Podcast, Big Pockets. He kind of knows a lot of people in that space, which Crystal I know. The one, the way that I heard about Brad was I couldn't remember if it's on Robert Kiyosaki's podcast or Tom Wheelwright, Tax Free Wealth, right here. Is this guy comes on Brad and he's like, "Oh, I've got this. I had this problem. I was going around on stage and I was telling people, oh, 'Oh, I'm super successful because I paid a million dollars in taxes last year.'" And he thought that was success. And Tom, Tom Wheelwright um, basically told him that you're kind of not successful, you're an idiot to say that because successful people and smart people, it pays zero tax. He goes, well, that's impossible on making four to five million dollars. Well, Crystal and I on camera, he basically told us that he publicly makes about four or five million, not to brag, but he wanted to also tell you that he pays anywhere from zero to $100,000 in tax. Legally, too. So we're, we're not breaking the law. We're going to repeat that. He didn't make four or 500,000 and pay zero or 100,000, which still would be really low. He made four to five million paying zero to a hundred thousand in tax. And he's doing it all legally. Exactly. Like, so, Brad, so Brad is obviously, he's a speaker. I don't know if he has a book. Yeah, he has a whole course. So Brad teaches people how to invest in multifamily. He coaches you. He walks you the whole thing. He's probably got one of the best courses out there. So it was cool at this time to jump on a Zoom call um, he's located in Dallas and jump right into it to the thick of where we are with the coronavirus and what he's doing and what he's not doing and what he's seeing and what his out kind of out view is of the market. But anyways, there's some really good nuggets here. And honestly, like one of the things that, like I said, that drove him, that's drawn to me is not only is he making money from real estate, but he's also making money from his webinar, seminar and his classes and how he's basically learned. You got to learn how he's paying zero tax. So. I think also one of the things that really attracted me about Brad too, um, I know Kenny loves to push the zero dollars in taxes thing because I think if we're all doing the right homework and we're educating ourselves and we're being enough of an advocate for ourselves and our own financial well-being, um, we could get to the point where we're paying little to no tax legally. Um, but the thing I love about Brad is that he was just a regular guy 
um, like us. So um, working hard, making a decent income, um, doing all those things, and he was able to, from 2002 to 2012, really kick it into high gear, and he owns a lot of properties, he's partnered with a lot of people, um, and then now he wants to teach that to other people. So uh, the one thing he says he does is that he only teaches what he knows. So he can teach you to syndicate if that's what you want. He can teach you how to buy your own deals if that's what you want. You can hire him as a coach to help you walk through deals. You can also hire him as a coach and he can even potentially invest in deals with you or bring other investors uh, in to your deals. So uh, knowing that Brad's overseeing your deal or has at least looked at it and guided you through and you're using all of his principles. So there's a lot of really cool things. I think he's just one of the most interesting and dynamic um, educators and investors out there and uh, we could all certainly learn a few things from him as aspiring investors uh, ourselves. So. And just a quick note, when we filmed this, um, Crystal and I were busy uh, getting the vacation from together. We've been taking advantage of the basically being vacant and doing this back unit. So we kind of, I brought the laptop to the property thinking, oh, what if we don't make it back? Well, we didn't make it back. So we literally were like in the middle of running around, hustling and bustling. Obviously we have a brand new baby and then we have Harlow. And so we're like, what are we gonna do? So we actually shot it in La Jolla Shores. So thank you to Zoom, thank you to technology, just to prove the point that you don't need to be in a studio. You can do this stuff literally anywhere while you're doing anything and we prove that. So without further ado, Brad, let's jump into it. I was like, did you guys do that at your house or is that, yeah. yeah. No, we're just over here working. I brought the laptop, Mike, I can do this anywhere. Love it, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is my view. Um, that's Dallas, downtown Dallas right there. Wow. I love Dallas, Dallas is so much fun. I love Pecan Lodge, that's what I love. <laughs> oh, you're in oh. Dallas, wow, there's a lot going on there. Woo. Crazy. All right, you guys, I'll let you guys go. Have a great meeting. Thanks. Soon. Bye. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Hey, Brad, thanks for um, joining us. Thanks for your time. Sure. I'm happy to be on. Yeah. So um, I actually, just to, just to start, I actually was talking to um, probably a person that you really love yesterday that saves you a lot of money in taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Tom Wheelwright. Wheelwright. Yeah, yeah, I was talking to him yesterday. He's a good friend of mine. He's my accountant. Yep. Yep. So he has a lot of good advice. So <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. He's, he's, um, he's helped me save a lot of money. When I met him, I, I met him, I was speaking at like a real estate guy syndication event and I was telling him how I paid 935,000 in taxes and I want to get up to a million dollars because that's the sign of, um, so successful. Right. And then he was like, I don't ever want you to say that again. And I'm going to teach you how to avoid this. So um, I became one of his clients. And in 2018, I paid zero. That's amazing. Yeah. We kind of found Tom on a podcast and um, we were paying a lot of taxes. And I was like, gosh, you know, we do financing. I do commercial financing. And I'm like, why is it that all my clients that own all these apartments aren't paying any taxes and they make a heck of a lot more money than I do. And I'm paying all this money in taxes. So um, we got connected with Tom's company and he, we're paying, we paid a lot less taxes last year for sure. Close to that hopefully number. we're on our way to zero this year. So yeah, good, good. good. Yeah. So yeah, for, awesome. um, 
So for, I mean, obviously we know who you are, but for anybody that's going to watch this that doesn't know who you are, can you kind of just give a quick summary of who you are and like how you got here today where you are when we talk in 2012 and we're quarantined? <laughs> 2020, I mean. All right. Well, you know, my background, it's one of the reasons I resonate so much with Robert Kiyosaki is that I was an engineer um, with an MBA and was in the corporate world and wanted to climb up the corporate ladder and never quite, never quite got where I wanted to go and got fired once and got laid off once. And I was told like my expectations were unrealistic. Like you're too young to think that you should be able to earn that much money type of thing. Right. So, um, actually went from engineering to sales because I knew a lot of these salespeople and, you know, technology sales and it sales and they were making like, this was back in the nineties, they were making like six figures and I was making five figures. And I was like, so I got into the sales positions and I, I liked it. I was doing a lot of travel. It was more in alignment with my personality, but I, I sold the third biggest deal in company history and got $198,000 commission check. And then six months later, I got fired, not laid off. I got fired because I had no pipeline. And which means like I had nothing in the future that I was forecasting. And it was like, Brad, sorry, you know, you're, we're, we're paying you a salary and and you pulled in all this revenue for us last year, but you've done nothing in six months and you have nothing in your forecast for the next three or four months. So we're going to let you go. Wow. And that was like a wake up call for me. So um, I actually thought about going to law school, started studying for the LSAT. And that's when I picked up in 2001, the rich dad, poor dad book, and then the cash flow quadrant. And for the first time ever, I learned about ESBI. And at that point, I decided I wanted to be a business owner and an investor. And that's why I went into apartments instead of like single family homes, because if I could do an apartment building and have a manager and a maintenance person in a management company and have enough units to have that scale, then I could skip over doing all the small stuff. So that's how I started. I, my first deal was a 32 unit building. I never did a single family rental. I never flipped a house. Um, I went right in from zero to 32 units. Wow. That's awesome. So um, where are you at currently today? Like what's your portfolio kind of, and where do you own? Yeah. So, you know, right here in this quarantine of, of 2020, um, I've had as many, I've been a general partner in as many as uh, 5,300 units. Um, I've, I, my model is to buy, hold and sell. And so right now I'm in about 2,700 units. And in any of those, I'm the general partner, but in a few of them, I own 100% or just with one other minority partner. Like for an example, I have a 120 unit building, uh, another 124 unit building. And these are the ones that I bought myself because I was paying too much in taxes, like we were talking about, you know, I didn't know that we had started already, but I was paying all this money in taxes. And then my accountant was like, well, the way you're gonna save on taxes if you have more direct ownership. So as a general partner, I own like five, 10, 15% of these deals. So I'm only getting that part of the depreciation. But as my income continues to grow with not only my apartments, but we have like, the number one, what I believe to be the number one seminar and education company for apartment investors in the country. And that's a profitable business. So I have all this earned income that I need depreciation to offset. So, um, so yeah, right now I'm in roughly 2,700 units and about 300 I own 
direct and the other ones I'm, I'm a managing member in. So wow. um, I'm, I'm awesome. always looking to buy and I'm always looking to sell at the right times. So that's, that's where I'm at. And then of course, in 2013, we started our um, event and, and, and uh, mentoring and education company that just kind of started as a dream in 2013. And now I would say arguably, in, in my opinion, we have the, the biggest and the best multifamily uh, mentoring and education company in the country. Wow, that's awesome. So is your program, is it um, basically to help people to syndicate or is it kind of depending on what their goals are for themselves individually? Yes. Yes and yes. <laughs> yes and yes. Okay, so if yeah. you're like, I just, I just want to own, you know, we have different philosophies too that just work for us. So for example, people will say, are you guys taking investments? And I'm like, I don't, we have property management company. I kind of just want to do things my way and I don't want to have to answer to other people. So if you yeah. want to just be that person and own apartments on your own, your program can help you work towards that. Or if you want to syndicate and raise money to, yeah, to get so to grow faster, I guess. Yeah, and, and here's, how, here's how I will answer that, is that it's whatever I've done, I teach. And what I haven't done, I don't teach. So mm -hmm. I'm not teaching theory. So like, for example, um, I do have a CCIM, which is Certified Commercial Investment me Member, and I do mm -hmm. understand you know, development and lease-ups and office and retail and student housing. But if you want me to hold your hand and, and mentor you on any of those things. I'm not going to do it because I haven't done it myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally. So what I've done myself and what I help other people do is I'm a syndicator. I'm an individual owner and I'm a passive investor. So our program is really a reflection of the types of investing that I do. So if anyone wants to, uh, and my passion is education, okay? So if you want to be a more like educated passive investor, like how do I decide which deals to invest in? Or um, a syndicator gave me an offering package and how do, I, how do I vet the deal? And how do I vet the sponsor? Well, I help you with that. If you want to go out and buy a 10 unit building or a 20 unit building or a 30 unit building like I did, I could help you with that because I've done it. And if you want to syndicate a 300 unit building, I could help you do that too, because I've done it and I have a track record of helping, you know, hundreds of other people. So um, that's really what I do and I teach. And like right now, um, some of the deals that I'm in, I'm, I'm the direct owner with me and my wife and some I'm the syndicator and there's a few that I'm a passive investor in. So that's, um, again, it's just staying consistent with, doing what I teach and teaching what I do. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So are you spending most of your time, like obviously today is probably not, nobody's really doing much right now. We're all quarantined, but when you're, when life's normal, are you spending most of your time on the teaching or, you know, going out and prospecting and trying to find deals? Well, my passion is mentoring and, and, and teaching. So the way I've set up my deal activity is I end up partnering as like a co-syndicator or a co-general partner. So for example, a lot of times if it's what well, it might be with one of my experienced students that, that I've you know, mentored for five or six years, and then they go out and find a deal 
and they want me to be a part of it because I have a huge uh, investor database and I can play a role on the management team. So um, I get into deals like that because I don't want to be the day-to-day, you know, in a syndicator group, you need to have a, a, manager or an asset manager. I don't want to be the asset manager. I can be, and I've done that role and I'm qualified to do it. I'm just, it's just not my, I don't get juiced about it. Right. So I love doing deals because of the, you know, one, the financial benefits, obviously that I get for me and my wife and all the investors get. And also I love being involved in uplifting communities because we're focused on working class workforce housing B and C class. So I love to be able to go in and uplift the the quality of life for working class people. But even more, I love doing an event with six or 700 people and changing their mindset from, you know, people come to our events thinking they're going to learn how to do an aplex and they leave learning how to do an 80 unit building. So I love that. That's really cool. And I can tell you, even just working with people who are trying to get into the business or buying buildings, talking to me about financing, it's like, I hear all the time, Hey, would you be willing to go in on the deal with me too? Just because I know you have expertise, you know what you're doing and people get that extra confidence being able to work with you and have you as a partner. It's like, so nice to be able to have that you're invested too. So you have an interest in making sure that the investment goes well. That's a really um, cool kind of structure that you have. Yeah, and it's fun. And I could also say, um, like, like right now, like what I've been doing in the past month, where we've been pretty much in a lockdown, is um, making sure my assets are, you know, in my numbers, doing the stress tests, working with my co-syndicators. Um, you know, we've stress tested all our deals. We've modeled 20, 30% decreases in collections, 10% increases in expenses because people are going to be using more water right now than they were because everybody's at home and collections are going down and expenses are going up. So it's important to know, like, where do you stand? You know, do you have cash reserves? Do you have personal reserves? Um, These forbearance agreements that are out here right now are terrible. I would not recommend, you know, unless you're in a unique situation, these are like dead man walking agreements for the people that are doing these forbearance. And so the other thing I've been doing so much, like today's an example. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be on the phone or on the, the, the Zoom meeting with you guys. I've been doing Zoom meetings with my students. And we have, I mean, hundreds of students. And, oh. and we, have, we, have, we have students that are in a passive investor category. And then we have students that are in like a syndicator category. And we have hundreds and hundreds all over the country. And I've been... Um, a lot of what we have done prior to coronavirus has been live events and online. I mean, a lot of live stuff, a little bit of online. So 90% live, 10% online. And now it's shifted to 100% online. And so what I'm doing now is, and this is, you know, I know you didn't ask the question, but I feel like I'm busier now than before because people need guidance. People need leadership. People need certainty. People need community. People need connection. So for anyone that's listening to this, if you're in that position, um, whether it's you're a head of household or a head of a company or a head of a department or have investors or have residents or, you know, or, or tenants or stakeholders, now is not the time to get to be invisible and to, to really, you know, I hate to borrow the, the term 10x, but to really 10x your, <laughs> yeah. but to 10x your your activity, you know, 
and, and, and I find myself now, I'm on Zoom meetings with clients, brokers, stakeholders, um, operators. Uh, I have a mastermind. You know, we're, we're meeting all the time. And, and, and because of that and the value that we're adding to the people that are in these programs, they're overwhelmed with how much we're doing. So that's just another message is, is um, I feel like now during this quarantine, it's a huge opportunity. Um, and, and now the stuff we're doing online is going to be part of our regular offering going forward. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's been an opportunity. It's like, you know, I was kind of like, man, I should do more webinars. I should do more of this. Oh, I'm too busy, right? Well, now that's our way of doing business. So yeah, it's become forward, a new norm. Yeah. Yeah. So going forward, it's like, of course, now all my students want them. We do them weekly. Now I used to do them every other month, a live webinar. And then we oh. do live events. And, you know, I did live events every month and, and, and webinars every other month. But now there's no live events, right? But I'm doing weekly three to four hour Zoom calls with hundreds of people from all over the country. And they're like, Brad, please, when, when things go back to normal, don't stop doing this because now we don't have to get on an airplane and we could see each other on Zoom. And I have a Zoom account that I can have a thousand people all together where you can see everybody. Wow. So it's amazing. It's phenomenal, actually. It's, it's pretty magical what is happening right now. It definitely shows us how much we can do without flights and hotels and all the kind of craziness that we've been doing with all the events. We've kind of been learning that ourselves too. We had planned to go to some events ourselves and we're like, okay, now it's a webinar. Now it's a Zoom call. This is great. I don't have to book a flight. Let's do more. <laughs> I mean, honestly, go ahead. Sorry. It's, it's more efficient. I mean, I think we're, I mean, it's, it's changing everything right before us like that, you know, there wasn't even time to think is, you're pivoting and some people aren't, but we, we are, you know, I'm, and I, I have to say, I'm, I thank you for doing that because um, people do need people like you. That's a professional. They need confidence. They need that guidance right now because the last thing you need is people. We always say is the worst time to make a bad decision is when you're emotional or you're reacting and you're not thinking clearly because sometimes, or a lot of times you regret that later on. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's a lot of fun. So it's like forcing me to learn new skills. Like I, I just finished before I got on with you. I did a Facebook Live, and I was on Zoom, and then we shared it on Facebook, and then I brought on people, and you know, and just the response that we get from that has been phenomenal. So um, you know, and it's a lot of fun too. So like we've we've been um, growing relationships with not only our clients but you know, found a way to add more value to the public and, and get even more clients now. Because look, there's going to be a buying opportunity. Like there already is. We're already seeing pricing about 10% off from the pre-coronavirus for apartment buildings. And I'm not talking, I'm talking like all over the map. This is not specific to any geography because it could vary. But, um, you know, a $10 million deal in February is now probably a $9 million deal. And we're going to just see more of that in Q3 and Q4 of 2020. So like, I know people right now might be gun shy, but anyone that's ever heard, and I don't know if it's Warren Buffett or whoever it is that said, when everyone's greedy, be fearful and everyone's fearful, be greedy. There it's is Warren Buffett. Be, yeah. There's going to be some amazing buying opportunities and people need to get ready because these deals are going to go to the people that are prepared, that know what they want. They can pull the trigger 
Um, one of my friends, I mean, he's at a level like with 14,000 units, like he's like seven times at my level. And he just got a call on a deal that was uh, $47 million and he's buying it for, I mean, they're, they're losing 45,000 a door. He said they bought, their all in price is 180 a door and it's an A-class property. And they're able to come in and pick it up for the debt value. So they're gonna do a loan assumption at equivalent to about 135,000 a door. And so the seller is losing their whole equity portion, which was, you know, the wow. buyers, buyers coming in at the, at the debt. Yeah. I mean, was it ground up? Discount. Is it, new is it new construction? It's a 2017 deal that, that they never fully leased up or optimized and they've been underperforming and now this hit and they're desperate and they need Yeah, they're like, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, so I listened to the old, old capital podcast. I listened to them a lot and, um, they were just saying where you live in Dallas, um, there's a lot of development. It's booming a lot of, you know, development up and they're now stuck here trying to lease up. So where do you think, um, where do you think you'll see, I mean, do you think it's going to be up all classes? You'll see deals, deals or do you think it's going to be more a, or what, what are you kind of thinking and seeing? Well, my specialty has always been B and C class. Okay. So again, I, I like to talk about what I know. Um, others that specialize in A, that's where they're seeing the opportunity is like the example I shared with you. A deal was built in 2017, comes online, they're doing a lease up. It's in a market, say for example, like Houston, where maybe they've had some economic challenges prior to the coronavirus. Um, they never hit their numbers and now boom. And so they're able to come in and get that for 70 cents on the dollar. Um, my specialty is B and C, and, and we specialize in landlord and, landlord and business friendly environments with above average metrics like job growth and population growth. So the, the markets we specialize in are like um, within Texas, so it'll be like Texas, uh, I'm sorry, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, Central Florida going from Tampa, Orlando to Jacksonville, um, the Phoenix and Tucson area, the Carolinas, maybe Las Vegas to some extent, and, and some specific markets in the Midwest like Columbus, Ohio, and Indianapolis. Those have been the markets where, where I specialize in that meet that recipe of landlord and business friendly with above average uh, economic drivers. So what I see is, um, again, people that there's going to be people that their 10-year Fannie or Freddie loans are due. And those people that need to sell because of their loan is due. Okay. There's going to be another group that bought with two or three-year bridge debt two or three years ago. And by the way, I've been telling my students, do not get a bridge loan in the last two or three years. Because if your plan was to get, and bridge debt is for people that don't know, it's short-term debt. You get higher leverage. But people that went into that type of, of debt two or three years ago, these loans are coming due <clears throat> and there's going to be loans coming due in, in, in July and August and September. And you're not going to be able to get that permanent 10 to 12 year Fannie Mae loan right now on that deal because valuations are down, collections are down. So these people are going to need to sell. Okay. So you're going to have, um, it's funny because I've been doing this since 2002 apartments and you know, in the single family world, they always talk about find the motivated seller, right? Find the distressed seller in a multifamily. Look, when you're buying a 60, 80, 100 unit building, 
you're even if you're a motivated seller, you're going to find a broker and you're going to put it out to the market and try to get the market value for your asset, right? And over the last four or five years, it's been such a seller's market that even motivated sellers were able to get premium pricing on their deals. But now that's not going to happen. Now you have people that need only the, the people that are going to be selling right now are people that need to sell. And there's also going to be buyers that have dry powder like me, you know, and my students and people that are ready to go. And so that's where the opportunity is. So the people that are like sitting on the sidelines saying, Hey, I'm going to wait for this to bottom out and see by the time you decide to get in, it's going to be too late. So the opportunity to, and I don't want to be self-promotional. I mean, I'm not, if whether they come to me or somebody else, it doesn't make a huge difference, but I mean, they really need to be getting educated on whatever asset class they want to buy. So they got to learn the fundamentals. They want to build their teams. They want to get a group of investors ready to go and, and identify what and where they want to buy because the opportunities will go fast, but you may be able to pick things up for 10 to 30% of, of discount of, of where you were able to get it before the coronavirus. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. Do you think um, this will be something that's more shorter lived, the opportunities, or do you think this is going to drag on, or what's your kind of, what do you think, you, just with obviously B and C, because that's what we buy too. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's more of a, like a guess, right? Yeah. So, but I'll tell you what I think. Um, sure. By the way, I'm, I'm good friends with Paul Peebles and James Ang. They, they, they show up at all of our events here in Dallas. I bet. On a lot of my loans. I've known Paul Peebles since 2008. Uh, with old capital so um it's awesome i could just tell you that that um i think that i mean i kind of see it as a nike stripe or a nike uh logo yeah. where and and that's how i'm modeling my deals now whether it's um a deal i'm currently in and i'm i'm stress testing it i'm dropping collections down to 70 percent of what we were collecting pre-coronavirus. So I have drops in collections in April, about 10 to 15%, and then going down to 25 or 30% off in, in May and June, and then maybe back up to 20 in July, and then kind of this slow recovery by the end of the year. That's how I'm modeling my deals. And the same if it's a new acquisition, I'm modeling a drop in income and actually an increase in expenses because all the people living at home, they're spending more, they're flushing the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to the bathroom they're cooking they're cleaning i mean i i know here where i am like i'm i i just learned how to use the dishwasher the other day but like my wife is like oh my god i've never used a dishwasher so much well that takes water right and we're like home all the time and and we're throwing out trash like 17 times a day from all the food we're eating at home when we used to eat out like two meals a day so expenses will go up a bit you know revenue is going to come down and you got to model that. So I'm modeling mine in terms of like a Nike logo shape where I see us getting back to normal um, end of 2020, early 2021. That's how I'm modeling it. I could be totally wrong. I think the conservative is better though, you know, I mean, it's how, so speaking of how were your April collections across the board? What did you guys see? Yeah, and it's, it varies. Like some of my properties literally are 100% of where we were at in March. Yeah. And some are 20% off. And and I think it goes down to, again, like, and, and you know, and, and I'm even looking at, like, and I have assets in, 
in Florida and Ohio and Oklahoma, but even within DFW, you know, this area here has a little bit better, stronger demographic profile than this area over here. And now we're seeing that in terms of collections. But here's the other thing, and we expect May to be worse than April, but all the fear mongering was going out there is like, oh, even some of my students are like, Brad, what if, what if nobody pays the rent? You know, they're seeing the news, there's no evictions, and what if nobody pays the rent? And I'm like, we're not gonna be in a situation where nobody pays the rent. And so there's this people that are buying into all the fear out there. Yeah, you know, it's funny because we obviously have friends, clients, people that we work with who are, you know, they, they own retail or they own office or industrial and things like that. And, and I think this was one of the biggest events where multifamily is actually getting affected. Um, but we were listening to something the other day and it was so right because it's like, where is everybody stuck? they're stuck at home. At least you can still say that multifamily is a strong asset class. This is a very weird time that we're in where multifamily is actually getting affected, but it literally almost takes a pandemic or some sort of natural disaster for your buildings to, you know, not perform at this point. So multifamily is still a strong asset class. And yes, there's going to be some rocky roads, but we're far less affected than, I mean, I have clients who have industrial properties that said none of their tenants paid the rent this month. Yeah. And re none. Retail, all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, I'm very bullish on multifamily, but I do want to say something here is like, and I, I see what, like I got into this in 2002, um, started, you know, mentoring others in 2006, formed a company with my wife in 2012, been doing it for a while. I've been through the 2008 depression. I've owned deals. I bought deals at the top of the cycle in 2008 before things crashed. Uh, I survived those deals. I thrived. I was buying in 09 and 10 when everyone was like, oh my God, it's a terrible time to buy. And I'm like buying up stuff, you know? So I haven't been through a coronavirus, but I have been through the, what we used to call the 2008 great depression. Maybe now that will be, maybe this will be the great depression, who knows? But the thing is, you know, there's, I guess what I want to say is there's a lot of people that got into multifamily in the past five years that are now gurus, right? And they're teaching people and doing seminars and stuff. And I see a lot of their marketing and I see a lot of their comments. And some of them were like, oh, multifamily is recession proof. Well, anyone who says that has never been through a recession, point number one. And number two, even when, you remember before the lockdowns, when the stock market started crashing and I saw all these people, you know, and they're like, Hey, the stock market went down 20, 20%, but my multifamily properties haven't went down. <laughs> and I was like, dude, just wait. Okay. So the reality is, is that if you own an apartment now on paper, it's worth less. And it is on paper. If I had to sell my assets right now, I would get a 10 to 20% haircut. So, I don't see any of those people right now saying, hey, where's, you know, my apartments haven't been impacted because, because we've all been impacted. But the other message is this, is like, now is not the time to hesitate. Now is the time to build your team and get learn, learn the fundamentals and get your investor database together because it could be a once in a lifetime opportunity, buying opportunity. I mean, it really could be. So that's what I'm preparing for. Um, and I just shared with you a friend, I mean, he buys A-class and he's, you know, 14,000 unit guy and 
this deal was worth 180 and he's getting it for 132. And that is the type of opportunity that, that you know, and he's going to go out there and raise $20 million, but he's got the investor database and the track record. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be some amazing opportunities and the people that are ready are going to get them. What do you say to those people? Because we've had this kind of come up a handful of times. I mean, we're seeing deals falling apart left and right, obviously, because they went under contract prior to all of this. And if they haven't released contingencies, a lot of them are either backing out or retrading, renegotiating the deal. But there were a couple of people that we know, for example, clients that had already released contingencies and they were like, well, what do we do? Because I know the building's lost value now. The seller's not going to negotiate with me. I don't want to go and arbitrate and fight over my deposit. What do I do? So we've gotten legal advice from some of our, for some of our clients that were in that position, but I'm just curious kind of what your advice would be to somebody in that position, like a student of yours, for example, if they were in that position, what would you recommend? Well, we, we've had several. So <laughs> like that's more than several. Okay. We, prior to mid-March, my students were buying five to six deals a month on average. Okay. We already closed 12 deals this year before coronavirus, maybe 13. Wow. We did, we did 62 deals last year in 2019. So that's just the people that I mentor. Okay. And, 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 um, and there's probably many more that I've mentored in the past that I'm not even tracking. Okay. So we had about 10 deals that were under contract when this happened. So they signed and, you know, for people listening out there, they signed in January or February under those conditions, which were much more of a seller's market. Uh, many of these deals have non-refundable earnest money, you know, no contingencies for um, finance and things like that. Um, and by the way, that's how things have been for the last three to four years. That became the new norm. Mm -hmm. But I could tell you in like, from 2002 to 2015, that wasn't the norm because I've been buying back then and I always had contingencies. Mm -hmm. But up in the, somewhere around 2015, it just shifted. And, and the reason I'm explaining this is I want your listeners to understand like there was a time when you could buy an apartment, a hundred unit deal with a full due diligence contingency, a full loan contingency, which means you could tie up the deal for 60 days and basically walk away for a hundred bucks. Right. If you find anything wrong, if you don't get the loan you want, or you could tie it up and try to renegotiate, which I never wanted to do anyway, because now you're risking your reputation. So even back then, if you were, if you were a retrader, you wouldn't get deals from brokers. Okay. But now we have these people that are caught, what I say, holding that hot potato, right? So what we've been doing is I can tell you this, and I would say there was about 10 of my students that were under contract. Eight out of 10 have successfully renegotiated. Wow. Um, they didn't get, they all didn't get the 10% concession they asked for. Okay. But they got something. And the reason is, is that the seller also knows that if they pull the deal, yeah, they can even get the non-refundable money. And now what are their options? Right. So it really comes down also to the seller's motivation. Most sellers are motivated to sell because they want to get their equity out of the deal, right? Yeah. Some have to sell. 
So if you're in a deal with a seller that has to sell, they're going to be more agreeable to price concessions. But we've seen, like, here's some examples of concessions that we've seen. Um, so lenders now are requiring, like Fannie and Freddie lenders are requiring borrowers to put up 12 months of principal and interest. Yep. So on a $10 million deal, that could be like 500 grand. So if you raised $3 million to close, all of a sudden you're a half million short because now you got to put 500,000 in a lender escrow that the lender controls until you meet certain performance metrics and then they release the money. So we've had sellers offer to put up that money. Wow. So, so the sellers in some cases have said, hey, look, we'll put up the 500,000. It's not a price concession, but we'll put up the 500,000 because we understand that you don't, you know, it's going to be hard for you right now to raise another half million dollars. But obviously, once you hit the debt coverage ratios, then the lender gives us the money back because it's our money. So that's an example of some things that we've seen. Um, we've seen hundred, $200,000 price concessions. We've seen sellers putting up reserves. We've seen sellers, here's another creative one. Sellers have been guaranteeing, if you look at January, February, March income, which is called a T3, sellers have guaranteed for April, May, June, July, August, September for the next six months that the income will remain the same as January, February, March. And so what sellers are saying is, hey, we, we understand income's probably gonna drop, but instead of us just giving you a concession now, we'll wait to see how bad it is and we'll guarantee your-, your Fill the gap income. instead of, yeah. So yeah. like they're guaranteeing income. So this is just some examples. And, and again, in a few situations, we've had to have students walk from deals and lose their earnest money just because the, 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 the impact was so severe and the seller wouldn't budge. And in that case, then you have to ask yourself, hey, is it worth pushing forward and doing the deal to the detriment of our investors in order to save our earnest money? And unless you get a concession in a lot of these deals, the answer is no. And so you have to walk. Now, the next comment is the whole legal thing, which I'm, you know, if, if, if you walk and the seller has contractually the right to your earnest money, then the next question is, are you going to sign the earnest money release? And that's a whole other question where you need to talk about your attorney with your attorney, because you may be able to make some kind of case that, um, I mean, which jury is going to rule against the borrower, a buyer right now that, that, you know, so who knows, I'm not even going to go there, but but that's a messy, just, sticky okay. situation. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Sellers, sellers know that even if they're contractually obligated to your earnest money, there could be a legal battle. They know. And so, you know, again, most eight out of 10 times, there, there's going to be some negotiation that sellers are willing to do. Um, now, I also say for your listeners that if buyers just become unrealistic, and some of my students did this, like I do webinars with all my students, three or 400 people that tune in and a thousand register and three or 400 are tuning in every week. And one webinar, I said, look, you need to get a 10% discount. Well, a guy that was under contract took that general advice <laughs> and made it a case specific advice. So again, like you, I love podcasts and webinars and bigger pockets and blogs, but the, the thing I don't like about them is that it's general advice. Like everything I'm saying here is general advice. And if somebody takes that general comment, 
and says, well, Brad Sumrock said I need a 10% discount. And they call the seller and say, if I don't need 10%, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay? Right. Every deal is so different. And I, I get that too. It's like, there's so many nuances with every deal. And that's part of why I love multifamily too, is that every deal you do with all the experience you have, there's always like little things that are new experiences, but yeah, it, it's not, you can't really give blanket advice uh, with deals. Yeah, and I could, but if, I mean, if it were that easy, I could just do, you know, a hundred page Q and A and, and I don't need to do any mentoring. Right. Right. Yeah. Hey, Brad, so I kind of want to just shift a little bit. Um, you talked about it at the beginning. I just want people to kind of, so we're kind of, we're, we're younger. And what we're preaching is, is, you know, I've learned that, um, you know, you, like I said, as I was telling Tom the other day, I said, Tom, you know, it's funny is I had a pivotal moment in my life where oh, Crystal and I've been together about 10 years and I was doing tax returns for small or large real estate investors. I was doing their residential loan. I do residential. She does commercial financing and I would see them and I would be like, how, how does this guy not pay tax? Like this, he owns a lot of you, this. And I told him like one time I called him up in the front. I said, you know, I really hate you. Like what, what am I missing? He's like, you're not missing anything. You're just, you're just not, you're, you're not educated. You don't get it. Like I'm like, so you don't pay tax now. And one of the things I wanted to say, I know it's publicly on your website, but I know you make a lot of money cash flow. And I was listening to a podcast and that's one of the reasons why I heard about the hundred percent bonus depreciation is I think one of the reasons you met Tom, but you also make income that's ordinary income. It's not passive. It's not from apartments. It's from your course and your trainings and what we just talked about. Like, so I wanted you to kind of just like, is that something during your course, obviously you're preaching and like, and you know, diving into people that it's not just zero income off this. You could make passive and pay zero. Can you kind of just explain like how you view that and how you basically push that into people, drive it in? Oh yeah. I mean, it's a big part because um, you know, look to me, to me, there's, there's many reasons to buy apartments, but let's just break down the financial reasons, right? You have cash flow, and everyone needs cash flow to live. You either get it from a job or from a business. Um, you want to have a capital gain or some upside component, which again, if we break it down in simple terms, it's you want to sell for more than what you buy, right? And there's strategies to do that, like with apartments, by raising the NOI and also not trying to time the market, but understanding it. So again, right now, I don't want to sell unless I have to, because I'm going to take a 10 or 20% haircut. So I'm not going to sell right now. But the third thing, I mean, of course, you have principal pay down and all that type of stuff. But the third main benefit is the tax savings. So it's a big part of my program, especially, and I have to say, up until 2016, it was a small part of my program because I was paying a lot of taxes. And <laughs> And I, I even, you know, I shared with you, I said, I teach what I do. And that's how I start. I, it starts with me teaching what I do. And, and you know, then the, the, the reverse is I do what I teach. So when I learned how to save 1.184 million in taxes by buying an apartment building, that became a critical part of my curriculum. So um, you're able to, and just so the listeners are clear on this, you are able to offset um, you can offset income with depreciation loss in certain situations. And some of those situations are um, you could offset passive income with that depreciation loss. But if you're a qualified real estate professional and you could Google that definition or 
you know, it's basically working 750 uh, hours per year and material participating in real estate related activities. And that 750 hours is more than uh, that you spend in any other activity, including like a job, then you could be a quali qualified real estate professional. And so then your real estate active income could also be um, uh, reduced by your depreciation loss. And I'm sure Tom Wilwright maybe explained to you the other day, but even if you're not a real estate professional, if accountant can classify some of that, um, is if you're an entrepreneur, he may be able to reclassify legally some of your earned income to be more of a passive income. And then you could offset some of your business income. So I know a lot of, of my students that Tom and other qualified accountants have helped take income they get from their business and they could classify it differently. And then you could use that depreciation to offset it. So it's a big, big deal. And coronavirus or no coronavirus, that bonus depreciation that you could buy a building and accelerate it has not been impacted. So like for me personally, I need to buy a deal in 2020 or I'm gonna pay a million in taxes. So I still have seven, um, one million reasons to go out there and buy a deal. Of course, I wanna find a 20% discount too, but yeah, it's a big piece of the pie. Big, 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 big deal. So for people who want to learn how to um, legally reduce their taxes, um, and I, you know, again, I'm not bragging, but prior to depreciation, our total, all, total income from all sources was over four or $5 million. I'm going to pay zero or maybe a hundred thousand, you know, depending on if I could get a building that meets my criteria that they could offset that. I mean, you know, maybe I'll pay a hundred thousand, you know, instead of 1.3 million. I mean, that's a pretty good number, but I'd like to keep it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and this gives you the ability to just keep buying and buying at a more rapid pace, obviously, you know, yeah. <clears throat> and, and you got to keep in mind that that, that bonus depreciation, which I'm sure Tom talked about, so I won't talk about it too much, but it's, it's going away in 2023. So, and it might go away in 2020 if the Democrats win and not to be political, but just like Trump unwound, you know, um, the Paris Climate Accord, the Iran nuclear deal, it's possible that Democrats could unwind these uh, tax laws that, that were pushed through from the Republican side, you know, in 2018. So the, the, the time to get into apartments, and I know some people might think I'm crazy and all this Grant Cardone stuff, which is a lie, by the way. Grant is, I don't know if he's going bankrupt or not, but that video that, like, I know Grant and his people, and that video was a joke. He's not, it's a complete joke. Yeah. And he yeah. was worried about, he wanted to get attention and he got everybody's attention. Yep. Yeah. So, but it was a joke. Like, he, he and, 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 and I did hear from other sources that maybe some of his deals are having issues, but a lot of deals might be having yeah. issues. But as far as him selling deals for 10 cents on the dollar and selling his jet for $7 million, I mean, I think it was a joke, right? And they told me it was a joke because I, Grant has spoken at my events and I, I reached out to them and they said, yeah, it was a guy heckling them on Instagram live and, and, and he just kind of played along with it. Like, yeah, everything is falling apart and yeah, whatever. So, um, you know, someone could 
watch this version of the podcast and, and have me saying, yeah, everything is falling apart. And <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's not me. Nothing's falling apart here with me. Everything's going great. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. It's funny. Um, I saw another podcast with him. I don't know if you know who Billy Jean is. He's like a marketer guy. He called Grant. He said, Grant, I want to know the truth. And Grant, and he said, I just looked you up. You've never been more searched on Google than now. And Grant's like, he's like, I know what you're doing. He's like, yep, you're a marketing genius. Good job. Everybody's talking about you and your name yeah. there than it was. So um, I know we got to wrap up because you have to get on another call. So um, Chris will always like to know this question. Um, five, five years from now, we look out, we printed, we printed, God knows how much money we're going to print. Um, we're going to make inflation, no inflation, apartments, still an amazing, you know, investment to have. What do you think? Absolutely. This is what I did with all my hundred dollar bills the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, I mean, look, you know, and I don't want to sound the wrong way, but I've been doing this since 2002. I'll be doing it in 2025. I'll be doing it in 2030. Um, apartments are here for the long term. Um, the best time to start was actually five years ago, but the second best time is now. There's going to be some amazing buy opportunities. The, the fundamentals, you know, outside of the coronavirus, there was a shortage of housing, right? The employment was, we were all time lows of, of unemployment. So and there's a shortage of single family and multifamily housing. So especially in the B and C class, people aren't building B and C class product for working class families. It's here to stay. It's a hedge against inflation. The, depreci the depreciation benefits haven't changed. Those could actually go away. So that's why I'm still out there and not just teaching it and telling people they're buying opportunities right now and they're going to be a lot in the second half of 2020 so yeah by all means people that wait if you wait a year from now you're going to regret it um any um what do you like final words or tips what, what's what's your kind of like top three to five things that you when you're talking in front of people that you know quickly that you kind of talk about and go over and buying multifamily property. Yeah. I mean, like what I'm telling my students now is like, I don't know if I'm answering the question, but like you got to be practicing. So like, you know, what I just did with all my students is I uploaded like 12 deals that someone already bought, but I uploaded all the financials, the offering packages up on our student portal so they can practice, you know, Stephen Covey talks about sharpening the saw. So um, you know, a lot of states right now, we have safer at home or shelter in place. And what I'm saying is let's get smarter at home and practice, practice your skills. Um, that's one big thing right now. And, and for the public out there, again, not to be too promotional, but invest in your education, whether it's with me or somebody else, but get educated. Um, you know, we're doing our first online event. I can tell you about that if, if it's okay. If not, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, please do. Yeah. yeah we're, we're doing an online event, May 2nd and 3rd. And they can just go to like bradsumrock.com or actually the name of the event is Weekend to Wealth, the number two. And, you know, our live events, we usually get six to 700 people three times a year. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take everything I teach in a live event 
and put it online. And I'm actually going to be in my suit and on a stage in a studio. So I'm not just going to be sitting in a chair at a desk. It's going to be like a real event where you got to block out a weekend of your time. And it's, you know, it's not like don't watch it an hour at a time. You don't go to a Tony Robbins event and listen to Tony for an hour at a time. You immerse yourself in a four day event and experience the event. So that's the way to get the most out of whether it's mine or anyone else's is block out the time and be there and don't multitask, but be present in the event, play full out. And it's great because we've had people that are like, Brad, I, I've always wanted to come to your events, but I, for one reason or another, I couldn't make the dates or I didn't want to travel to Dallas, but now you're doing this online event. So thank you for that opportunity. So that's what we're doing. Super smart. I mean, this whole Zoom thing and I think, you know, the fact that you have a brand and you've been doing this, I think it's going to magnify for you too. You'll probably have bigger years ahead just with your program and stuff. I think like Crystal's saying, I think a lot of people that might be in different real estate sectors might be rethinking, you know, getting out and moving commercial, industrial, retail. So um, where's the best place for people to find more information about you and what you do? It's really simple. You, my website is bradsumrock.com. There's no C in my last name. So it's B-R-A-D-S-U-M-R-O-K.com. So um, that's it, man. And, and Or they could send us an email to support, support at bradsumrock.com if they want to talk to somebody or, you know, ask about our, our, our program and which one is right for them. That's, that's the best way to go. Awesome. Well, totally appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on, sharing your wisdom. Um, we always love learning and talking real estate with anybody. So it's, it's been an honor and uh, I wish you much success and hopefully we get over this quarantine <laughs> pretty soon. Yeah, well, thank so much, you so much. It's been a pleasure and uh, I, I, I love it. So um, thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll definitely be in touch. And then hopefully when maybe things change a little bit, we'll do this again to see where we're at in six months or eight months. It'd be kind of funny to find to turn it around, see where we're at. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Right. Thanks, Thanks so Brad. much. Have a good day. Bye. Okay, bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.